Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Looking to get out of the ads and back to the story? Fable and Folly Plus is a new way to support the creators you love. The podcast you're listening to right now and more than 60 others can be heard ad-free for as little as $4 a month by visiting fableandfolly.com slash plus. And now you'll start to see Fable and Folly Network shows are offering bonus content to all existing and new supporters. Find exclusive new episodes from shows like Where the Stars Fell, The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program, and Civilized. Plus, early access to new episodes of Midnight Burger, all still entirely ad-free. The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey today. Hey there, this is Chris Cayella, writer, director, and producer of Dirt, an audio drama. Welcome to this bonus Director's Commentary episode. I'll use this time to get into things like what inspired certain scenes or character interactions, where and how specific sound effects were created, the recording process, both for background sounds and actors' voices, and, in some cases, how things changed during production from my original script, and I guess pretty much anything else that comes to mind that I think might be interesting. For this commentary episode, I've chosen Chapter 16, which is one of my favorite chapters in Season 3, because it's the first time in a while that the story revisits Wapato, and it's the first time since Season 1 that Salvador and Maria Flores are directly part of the action. Not gonna lie, I adore Salvador and Maria, so it was fun to write their dialogue for this chapter and have them take the story of Flores Farms to a deeper level. So, let's get started. As Joseph rolls to a stop and turns off the engine, I wanted the actual destination to be a little bit of a mystery at first, while he sits in the car and uses his smartphone to try to get some information. Where is R.A. Hastings headquartered? Which of these do you mean? Turns out, real-life smartphone voices are actually largely protected under copyright laws. I found these on the interwebs for you. So, to be safe, if you want an AI voice in your own audio drama, it's best to just make your own. Sorry. For this, I went with a paid service called Murph.ai, which is one of many voice generator options out there. Plus... It's not always easy to get Siri or Alexa or whoever you use to say what you want them to say. It's about time. <laughs> Hello, Papa. I'm the screen door sound for the farmhouse 
used here and in earlier chapters, is actually a recording that I made of the screen door of my neighbor's gardening shed when I was watering his plants as a favor while he was out of town for a few days. I was talking to those two. Okay. I realize that's a pretty random fact to share, but I mention it here because it serves as a reminder that for audio drama, you don't always, or I'd even argue ever, need a professional setup for your Foley. As long as you have a good recorder and a scrappy mentality, sometimes the sound you need is just across the fence from your own backyard. Unless, of course, you're not sorry. Because since you're unemployed, I have some things you can help me with here. Like, right away. It had been almost a year and a half since I last recorded with Ana Noval, who plays Maria, and Jonathan Fuentes, who plays Salvador. So I was really excited to work with them again and share with them how their characters were going to impact the plot in season three. We're all friends and former co-workers in real life. And the same goes for Megan Morales, who plays Salvador and Maria's daughter, Antonia. ...is an industrial conglomerate based in Stockton, California. As Joseph continues to try to piece clues together, he focuses in on R.A. Hastings, the company that happens to manage the land trust located next to Flores Farms. It's unclear to Joseph what, if any, direct part R.A. Hastings, the company, or the person, might be playing in the broader mystery he is trying to solve. But Kim's connection to Hastings still has Joseph's mind buzzing, especially when Joseph finds out R.A. Hastings, the person, is from the tiny town of Hera. That's like 10 minutes from here. Hey. Yeah? Don't use up all our water in there. <laughs> Coming. But of course, all this gets interrupted by another family dinner. I hope stir fry is okay. They were having a sale. I have three more bags in the freezer. <laughs> All of these table scenes in dirt at the farmhouse have been among my favorite to write and sound design. Whether it's Maria making sure everyone is well fed, Salvador telling his stories, Antonia teasing her dad or prodding Joseph, or Joseph longing for a family connection that he lost when his own parents died years earlier. About your job and stuff. I just feel like these scenes hey, bond the characters together like no others, Did he offer you especially when they gently give yeah. each other a hard time. About three minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, we're taking out the grapes on the West End and planting new ones. I decided to give them the weekend off. Mm, they already had the weekend off, Medida. I guess you're right again. <laughs> so, Joey... And while hopefully it sounds to you like we're all in the same room in this scene, I actually recorded each actor separately and in quite different spaces. I recorded Anna at her home in her living room. And I recorded JJ, as we all call Jonathan, at my home in a basement room that has good sound dampening. All of Megan's lines were recorded remotely this season as she and her husband relocated from Seattle to the East Coast just a few months before recording began. I briefly considered flying to Megan's new home to record with her in person, but instead we tried an online recording venue called Zencaster, which I had used twice previously, both times with W. Keith Timms for his podcast, The First Episode Of, which you should totally check out, by the way. While I was a little familiar with the tool, I was not familiar with directing someone from afar. 
But we made it work, and Megan really rose to the challenge, even though she had to record all of her lines from a coat closet to cut down on room noise. Thanks again, Megan, and I hope your back has recovered. ...all seven of Salvador and Maria's grandchildren. Antonia mentions that one of them has started playing soccer, which, at this table... So, I'll be the first to admit that a montage is cheating a little bit. It's a convenient way to convey a lot of information quickly, and quickly convey the passage of time. And this montage closely and purposely mirrors the montage from way back in Chapter 3. In both cases, though, they help transition the scene from small talk at the beginning of dinner to deeper talk after dinner, while still at the table. It personally reminds me of the many enjoyable family dinners I've been lucky to have in my life where people stay in their seats to talk about all kinds of things long after their stomachs are full and their plates are empty. No, it shut down a little while ago. Uh, maybe a couple of years back? Is that right? Yes, in 2018. It's just been sitting there empty. Yeah, it looked all boarded up. Yeah, I remember you guys used to ride your bikes to the Midway to get those ice drinks things. Flushies. On the topic of acting, it's my opinion, and hopefully that of Dirt's listeners too, that everyone really upped their acting chops in season three, in a way that I think is really noticeable from the very earliest episodes of Dirt, when we were all still trying to figure out how to make an audio drama. It makes me that much more excited for what we can accomplish in season four. I bet you both have seen a lot of changes here over the years. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Getting all of our dialogue to closely match did take some editing magic, mostly using EQ, D-reverb, and convolution reverb tools. It sounds complicated, but it's mostly just fussing around with different dials until the mix sounds pretty good in your ears. But you know, I don't think this valley is ever the same, one generation to the next. I mean, take this farm. What about it? The line we're on belong to the Yakima people, going way back, I guess, forever. In case you're wondering, the information that Salvador conveys about the Yakima Valley in this part of the scene is not made up for the show. Flores Farms and its specific history are, of course, fictional. But otherwise, the information is based on things that actually happened. There is a long history of many cultures interacting in this part of Washington state, both in cooperation and in conflict. If you want to learn more about the area for yourself, a good place to visit is the website historylink.org, which is a free encyclopedia about the history of Washington. From the homepage, search Wapato, and many interesting articles will come up. But of course, it was about other things too. It's a complicated place. And now we have all the wine people coming here with their fancy tasting rooms. <laughs> Those are mostly on the other side of the freeway. Close enough. Antonia's rebuttal that most of the wine tasting venues in the Yakima Valley are on the other side of the freeway from Wapato is also accurate. Washington State is a major producer of all kinds of award-winning wines, including many produced in the fertile Yakima Valley. Interestingly, Interstate 82 and the Yakima River bisect the entire length of the valley, from the northwest to the southeast. And in some ways, 
The freeway and the river represent cultural boundaries as well. They planned this farm really well. And we tried to continue with that. You know, I've always been curious about the property up the hill from here, where you found the tractor. Oh, Joey. There are a lot of stories about that land. The logistics of the land trust play out over many chapters. And I found that when writing a show like Dirt, you always have to make sure you're maintaining a good balance between information and emotion so you can hopefully avoid fatiguing the listener with details that may feel disconnected or complicated. So this is where music and some carefully placed pauses, if done right, can help keep the story moving and interesting to the listener, even if some of the plot details are a bit tedious. And hopefully, if you've done it right, your audience will trust that all the small bits will lead to something much bigger and important later on. But the terms have always remained the same. What do you mean, the terms? I just mean nothing really changed. Just the trustee. Oh. So the trustee... Was it... Joseph obviously respects the Floreses very deeply. But he's also used to being in charge and having full access to information and decisions. There are times in this scene and later in the chapter where he gets close to crossing that line with them, but steps back. But I wanted that inner conflict to come out here just a little bit as a setup for some interactions that happen later. Kind of like trying to figure out the code for our security gate. Ha <laughs> 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 ha. And Salvador comfortably giving him a hard time about trying to guess the code, and Maria and Antonia laughing about it, to me serves as another indicator that Joseph is perceived differently by those on the farm than he is by those at Motorpool. Yeah. Oh, you said stories. So are there more? Maria and Salvador make eye contact. Again. As the conversation takes a darker turn at the dinner table, I just want to give props to Jonathan, Anna, and Megan for really making this scene feel like a turning point in season three. Well, access is restricted. It is private property, so we respect that. No, it's, it's more than that. It doesn't feel good up there. I look over again at Antonia. Joseph is pressing for answers. Yet the information and feelings that the other characters convey about the property next to Flores Farms really come as a surprise to Joseph. I wanted the dialogue here to convey not only a sense of mystery about the undeveloped property, but also some tension and maybe some spookiness, too. It's painful? It's not pain, exactly. It's actually very lovely to look at. There's just a difficult feeling near it. Like, you should not be there. I think it's cursed. And I think their performances, with Maria especially, being vulnerable about her feelings, really gets it there. Do you get this feeling too? I do. And perhaps as an admission of his growing trust in Antonia as a partner in his quest, he asks her for validation. But her response takes them further down the rabbit hole. But it's hard for anyone to access the property, since we share an easement from Kay's Road. And as you know, Joseph, 
Not just anybody can come up our driveway these days. <laughs> Has this feeling been around for a long time? As long as I can remember. Yes. I love how much depth Maria and Salvador add here to the newly revealed aspect of the property next door. These aren't just feelings they've had since Joseph re-entered their lives, or since they discovered the old tractor a few years ago. These are feelings they've been living with for decades. The true nature of the property and the land trust is just as much, if not more, of a mystery to be solved for them as it is for Joseph. The stakes are getting higher for everyone. Joseph, your surprise visit, which of course wasn't a complete surprise since we had that letter all those years, it shook things up for us. And not just you showing up, but you finding that metal detector in the barn. And then When Joseph learns that it wasn't Salvador who put the detector in the blue barn for him to find, it just adds weird on top of weird. And again... I love how JJ, Anna, and Megan use their voices here to really ramp up the urgency towards a climax before the ad break. But there's also been strange things. Now we wonder if agreed to leave in place might have been an agreement between Ernesto and whoever was the trustee back then. One day I'd love to record everyone together as a group so we can experience that live dynamic of building off of each other's performances. But until then... I feel good knowing that Dirt's actors know how to deliver what's needed, even though we're recording separately. It matters because the tractor is stuck up there again. And speaking of ad breaks, it probably feels like you can't get away from ads anywhere these days. So I do want to say thank you for enduring advertisements while you listen to Dirt. The revenue the show receives from them most certainly helps pay for expenses. Also, pro tip, most ads are 30 seconds in length. So if you time the pressing of your skip ahead button just right, you can breeze right through each one of them. Just as with the sound I use for Antonia's truck in earlier chapters, I found this really great truck sound via my trusty old friend, the website freesound.org. I wanted Salvador's truck to sound a little newer and bigger than Antonia's, since Salvador is the farm's boss, after all. And to me, this recording did the trick. Up the access road, towards the edge of the property. Normally, I would add a separate gravel track underneath the engine track, so it sounds like driving on a dirt road. But the original recording had that already. The occasional sound of the truck bouncing over a bump or pothole is a different sound clip that I added as a separate track, just to bring some variety and realism to the drive up to the metal gate. I don't know about you, but I've never driven on a completely smooth dirt road. Why did you drive the tractor back up here? To test the theory. Right. I love the mood of this entire scene. Being outside at night, up on a lonely hillside, with a panoramic view of the valley, and patchy clouds and stars 
all around. I was privileged to grow up in a place not too unlike this, on a forested hillside that overlooks the Spokane Valley. I'm very grateful to my parents that they chose to raise my sisters and me in a place where we could experience and appreciate all the different gifts and perspectives that nature brings. The difference here, at the upper edge of the property on Flores Farms, is that the landscape is very stark. I don't want to change whatever imagery you already have in your head for this scene, but if you Google Autanum Ridge, that's A-H-T-A-N-U-M Ridge, you'll get a sense of what the hills above Wapato look like, particularly those that are out of reach of irrigation pipes and canals. I bet we get some frost tonight. Sí, recuérdame de checar el gallinero cuando regresemos. No se nos vayan a congelar los pollos. Lo revisemos de la semana, estaba bien. In case you're wondering, Salvador is saying something to the effect of needing to check on the chickens to make sure they don't freeze. Maria lets Salvador know she already has. That Maria, always thinking ahead. I didn't have scripted lines for JJ and Ana here. I just asked them to improvise something in Spanish as a kind of quiet discussion related to running the farm between their two characters. And farther up, I see the shadowy outline of a wash that begins somewhere higher up the hill. The background sounds that you hear are of my own neighborhood in Seattle, captured using my Zoom H5 recorder at night when there was less car traffic coming and going on the surrounding streets. And the same cricket sound that was used in Chapter 4, when Joseph rolls down his window to let Kim listen to it while they're on the phone together. And that's one hardy cricket to be chirping so loudly so late in the fall, and on such a cold night. There's a good chance no crickets would be chirping at all if this scene was real. But I added the sound in anyway, just to help create the mood. So why did you try to retrieve it? I mean, if there was an agreement to leave it in place. We got a letter from the current trustee. Oh. Well, my dad did. Continuing the logistical conversation around the land trust, basically at the land trust, felt like a good way to make the whole topic more intimate and relevant, especially with the mysteriously stalled tractor lurking not far away, just begging to be examined more closely. Plus, I wanted it on the farm as a keepsake. Um, so you do admit you just like looking at it. <laughs> mm. I love how Maria catches Salvador in a moment of admission about his love of the tractor. Her gentle teasing and his acceptance of it, and Antonia's giggling about it. It all just feels kind of adorable to me. I step right up to the edge of the fence and stare beyond the tractor. Even though the moon is still obscured by patchy clouds, there's a gray glow to everything. And every once in a while in a story, there are opportunities to basically put everything in its place, especially before a major action is about to occur. And that's what I see happening here with Joseph as he surveys his surroundings. We know all the things that are here because we sense them, but pausing to take them all in and mention them from top to bottom as well as dozens of other homes and structures lining Kay's Road. And even further, the halogen glow of thousands of homes and businesses and highways spread across the wide valley. I think doing this gives everything kind of a special gravity. 
and it provides a good setup for something unexpected to happen next. I turn and step onto a rock near the fence that is a couple of feet high. Again, I look up into the vastness of the empty property, surveying what I can. Joseph, are you okay? I like the contrast between Maria's and Salvador's reactions after Joseph jumps over the fence and Joseph's nonchalant attitude once he's over there. It's clear Joseph is the newcomer here, without the history of strange feelings about the property. And this seems to empower him to take risks and look at things rationally instead of emotionally. But, I guess, even he isn't prepared for the kinds of feelings that will soon overtake him. So what makes a perfectly good tractor decide to stop running over here? Twice. Between the escalation of music and the description of the silver light suddenly covering the landscape, I wanted to convey a sense that something magical could actually be happening. (laughs) Even though the moon coming out from behind a cloud and lightening things up is perfectly natural. (sighs) Joey, are you okay? As Maria says this, the moon comes out from behind its cloud and the ground and grasses and rocks and sagebrush all over the empty property light up as if covered with silver sawdust in every direction. I guess time will tell if Joseph really is experiencing some kind of strange sensation or phenomena or if he's simply caught up in the moment, as we all do sometimes, when we're intrigued by something magnificent that we don't fully understand. I shiver again, but this time, not from the cold. (laughs) I feel like I could run in every direction, as far and as fast as I can, like a bull let loose at a rodeo, screaming and yelling like an excited child. (laughs) Oh, man! What the... But the lights that appear in the sky, these aren't here just to add intrigue to the story. Lore has it that the term flying saucer was actually coined in the Yakima area to describe what an airplane pilot claimed he saw while flying nearby back in 1947. And to this day, unexplained light anomalies are routinely reported in the area, adding fuel to fantasies that central Washington is a hotbed of alien activity or paranormal phenomena of the mountain and appear to pulse or flash. And then, without warning, they spin up into the sky and disappear. Whoa! If, or how, such things are connected to dirt, an audio drama, you'll just have to stay tuned to find out. Who knows? Maybe Carl the Fish and Wildlife Guy has the answer. Yep, just one more thing to add to the list. Welcome to the Yakima Valley. So that's it for this director's commentary episode. Thanks again to Ana Noval, Megan Morales, and Jonathan Fuentes for lending their voices to Chapter 16. You can reach out at info at anytime if you have questions about the show. 
And stay tuned to Dirt's podcast feed for more bonus content coming soon, as well as season four, coming sometime in 2024. Thank you very, very much for listening to Dirt, an audio drama. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Friends, half-orcs, countrymen, lend me your pointy ears. Of Mice and Men and Monsters is a podcast which combines the art and beauty of classic literature with the fun of Dungeons and Dragons roleplay. These episodes are led by me, Kate, your master teacher, which is Dungeon Master meets High School English Teacher. We take on quests in these fascinating worlds, meeting and adventuring with the greatest literary characters of all time, solving puzzles set up by the dubious Dr. Frankenstein. One eye is over there, and the other eye is rolled over there. Exactly right. Hunting Moby Dick alongside Captain Ahab. (laughs) I've rolled a one. Are you rolling? Of Mice and Men and Monsters is a faithful yet irreverent way to interact with the stories which have influenced us for centuries. Plus, it's a much more exciting way to experience literature than writing an essay. Essays don't have swords which burst into flame, or poop monsters hiding in toilets. Anybody got some poop for me? A new episode of Of Mice and Men and Monsters is released every other Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. 